Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Good morning. I hope that that, those songs um, did something in you. Um... I'm hoping that it has kindled the flame in you. Uh, someone once said that if, if stuff like that doesn't do it, then your wood's probably wet. Um, and I would just encourage you uh, to be thinking about the stuff that we sing and what that means for you and for us. Grab your Bibles, please. Uh, whether that's a hard copy, whether it's a phone or an iPad or Maybe you know it by heart. Maybe you brought your scrolls with you today. Um, Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Uh, We're hopping into a passage of Scripture as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it's a story about two guys that ask for something very, uh, very big, very huge. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your, right, on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Then, or when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were mad. They were furious. So Jesus called them all together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say, thank you, Jesus. So James and John were trying to figure out how to secure their spot in the kingdom. I'm guessing that they had had some backroom conversations about how to uh, wiggle their room, their way into the holy throne room. 
I'm guessing they had tried to devise a plan that would land them in a place of prestige, a place of authority, a place uh, set apart for those who are special. And so then they came to Jesus, and Jesus kind of put them back in their place. Do you really, really understand what you're asking me? I wonder sometimes if that's true of us. Do we really understand what we're asking of Jesus? The other disciples, they get mad, of course. Wouldn't you have? When you see your friends, your compatriots, your people that you have been journeying life with, kind of slip one in under you. I can imagine they were furious. But in this interaction, Jesus is painting the picture of the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And he makes it very clear that those who want to lead must be servants. And those who want to be first must be the slave of everyone else. In our world today, we hear a lot about going after number one making sure that you have what you want, when you want it, how you want it. It's all about uh, rising to the upper levels. It's all about climbing the ladder. It's all about getting ahead in the game. And Jesus seems to say that in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. In fact, those who want to be important need to become servants. In fact, he uses the word slaves here which is a word that is so, so wrapped up with anxiety and history. And there's so much in that word. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is wanting us to understand that it's not about getting up here. It's about taking the posture of a servant, even a slave, who is able to to take on a low position in life, whether... You know, many, in, we know the history, at least in part, of those who were forced to be slaves. But what would it be like in the kingdom of God for you and I to choose to serve others and that would be our posture in life? What would it do for us in our world if we were to be a people, all of us, were to understand that instead of fighting with each other, we're here to serve each other. What would it look like, whether it be in the church or out of the church, what would it look like in the Capitol and and in Washington or or wherever the case may be, for people to understand that we are first called to serve? In many uh, counseling sessions, premarital counseling sessions, I have had uh, one or two women who have said to me, as we've been planning the service, um, I don't care what you say. I just want you to leave the whole submission part out. <laughs> that always piques my interest, and I ask them why. And they usually tell a story of how they had been oppressed in some way, shape, or form, maybe by a, a previous spouse or, or, a, or a father figure or, or some male figure in their life. And I, I have that opportunity to share with them the rest of the Scripture you see, they, they don't want to, uh, me to talk about the scripture that says, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. 
And I, I usually ask him, I said, do you realize what that passage also asks of your husband? Well, no. Well, oftentimes they, they don't hear that part. They hear the one that they don't like. And so I said, let me read it for you. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Christ loved the church by dying for it. What would it be like if husbands, the world round, were to love their, lo- love their wives by laying their lives down for them? I'm guessing, just guessing, that domestic violence would become a thing of the past. I'm guessing, just guessing, that maybe, just maybe, couples would be able to live together in harmony and unity because in the kingdom of God, this is the narrative that we have, not one of dominance and domineering. It's the way of Jesus that we've been called to live. It's a way of servanthood. And it's not, it's not that we are saying you have to lead, you have to serve in order to be part of us. No. Jesus says, no, this is who I am. I am the one who's come to serve and not to be served. And if I'm going to be part of your life, you are going to be one who serves as I have served. Some, when they hear the call to service, the call to leadership, the response we get is, well, I just don't have time. I don't have energy. I don't have anything left to offer in that realm of influence. But what if we hear this through the filter of the gospel, the good news of Jesus? We actually probably should read all of scripture. We should look at all of life through the lens of Jesus. But what if we remember Paul's words to the church in a town by the name of Ephesus? He wrote this, God saved you by grace. It didn't say God saved you by the way you lead, by the way you serve, by the way you volunteer, by the way you do your job. No, God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. God has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things God planned for us long ago. Did you hear that? God has planned great things for you long ago. And you are being called to live into that. To step into that reality. To embody all that you were created for. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I are no longer separated by our sin and our, <coughs> our sin and our brokenness. We have been brought close to Jesus by all that He did, not all that we are doing. If we can get that right first, everything else will fall in line. When we let this get a hold of us, we want to lead. We want to serve. I, I chuckle at this passage of Scripture. Because it says, for those of you who want to lead, I don't remember a single person who has ever come to me and said, Pastor, I really would like to be a leader. Usually, it's about the pastor going to someone saying, hey, I need you to be a leader. I need you to live into what you were created to, to, to be and to, and to do. And so I chuckle when I hear Jesus say, for those of you who want to be a leader, my first thought is, How many people are coming up to him asking him for this? But what we're seeing here is two guys who want not really to lead. They just want the authority of the position. And here today, I want us to hear that God is not wanting you to jump through another hoop. 
He's not giving you another expectation, another rule to follow. He is saying, realize that I have done everything to change life for you. And we are that people who realize these things and, and, and get to the point where we say, I want to serve because I want others to encounter the God the way I have. I want to serve others so that they can connect to Jesus in the way that I have. This is the kind of service and leadership we have been called to. It's not that we have to serve and lead to gain God's approval. Not at all. We get to serve as a response to the amazing work of God in our lives. We want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We want to be a part of what the kingdom of God is doing in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. The greatest leadership that you and I can offer to a world in desperate need of God is, is that we would be a people of service. It is to serve those whom we love and those whom we don't love. It's to serve those that we get along with and we agree with, as well as those that we absolutely do not agree with. The thing I love about real life is that we are a church of people who are learning what it means to live life together in spite of differences, in spite of, um, in spite of all of our differences, we can still be one together. Looking at who Jesus was and what he did, he served all of humanity through his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. It was not easy, nor was it convenient, and it cost him everything. So for those who might say, well, I don't have time or energy or resources, I don't have enough of that to be able to serve God in the way that I feel like God's calling me to. You're in good company. Because God, in Jesus, depended on the Father in his weakest moments. And he was willing to give everything. In fact, Jesus... In the garden, before he was arrested, prayed, God, if there's, Father, if there's any other way that we can do this, any other way, that'd be awesome. Yet not my will, but your will be done. What does it look like for God's will to be done in your life? What kind of transformation needs to happen for that to happen? All of Scripture seems to be saying that one of our most basic, fundamental DNA compositions as humans created in the image of God, is that we are called to be a people who serve all that's around us. Adam was placed in creation, and he was given authority over everything. Everything, and God said, take care of it. Our authority, our leadership, our place of prominence in the kingdom of God is wrapped up in how we will take care of all that we've been entrusted with. Starting with the people right around us. We can go off on other rabbit trails that are legitimate ones, but I just want us to start right here. How are we serving those that are around us? I wonder how many of us would say that we want to lead, and particularly we want to lead in that kind of way. How many of you say, I want to lead? I want to be that kind of a person. Eight in ten, eight of ten millennials. Millennials are those who are 22 
to 38. How many of you are in that age group? 22 to 38. We've got a few of you. Eight out of 10 of you say that you want to lead and you're looking for the church and other places to provide opportunities for you to do that. How many of us would raise our hands this morning and say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to live a life defined by serving the world around me. I don't want to just be a consumer, a grabber of stuff. I want to offer what I have to others for the sake of the kingdom. I am even willing to do so to the point of losing my life for them. How many of us would say that? I'm guessing some of you are kind of like a half hand raised, but we're all nervous to go all in because of that last part. Are we willing to give our life away for Jesus? Maybe we need to start somewhere a little more basic. How about this? Pastor Jeremy, I don't know if I'm ready to serve like that. In fact, I don't even understand what that really looks like but I'm willing to start somewhere. I'm willing to start somewhere. I'm willing to start maybe with my neighbor, my spouse, my child, my parent, my boss, my coworker, um, the person at the checkout counter, the person who is serving me my meal. I'm willing to start somewhere. I'm willing to start with an organization, maybe Portico or Doors of Hope or, or here at Real Life. I'm willing to start somewhere because I recognize that starting somewhere is the beginning of living into who God has created me to be. Now, we understand that a message on serving others in the midst of COVID is a challenging sermon to put into practice. We understand there's all sorts of limitations. There's all sorts of things that we want to be cautious of, and we get that. We don't want to be too close up into people's bubbles in case that bubble is infected. We get that. But we also have to understand this. We, as the people of God, are called to serve first and foremost in the way we love others. There are plenty of ways that we can do that without getting up in their bubble. We can do that by the way we reach out to love and to care for and to pray for and to be available to. Sure, there are precautions. And if you're ready to take some of those precautions and run that risk, that's, that's your decision. That's not mine. But I do want us to understand this. COVID or not, we are called to be a people who serve even the least of these. There's one other thing that I want to make mention of when it comes to how we are available to serve Christ, and that is this. It's our schedules. One of the greatest things negatively affecting how we serve is our schedules. As we follow Jesus around through the gospel narratives, we find someone who is always serving, I mean, he is being jostled to and fro. There's so many people with so many needs. Jesus is always serving. Yet, he recognizes that there are times where he has to step away and engage in certain rhythms of life so that 
he can fully be who God has created him to be. But our schedules can be one of the most limiting factors for the ways God wants to use us. Here at Real Life, we try to make it really easy, really easy for you to find a place to serve. We, we love to find out about you and what you love to do, what you don't love to do, um, the things that you're wired for. And we like to make it as easy as possible. There's a way that you can get online and you can schedule your availability so that if you're going to be gone a week, you can say, I'm not available. Don't schedule me that week. Schedule someone else. The challenge is when no one schedules anything, then we're like, now what do we do? But here at Real Life, I love that we even have that ability to work people together, to create the puzzle that works for ministry here within this people. Now, obviously, the more people who are able to give a little bit, uh, the better it is so that we don't have to keep tapping the fewer people to do more stuff. You've heard the phrase, many hands make light work, and it's true. It's true in the kingdom. It's true at work, at home. It's true. This week, I want you to consider your availability to serve here or at another organization or in some other way. Look for the ways in which you have availability. And you might say, I have no availability. I don't have any time. I don't have any resources. I don't have any energy. Then maybe we need to have a different conversation. Because maybe, just maybe, there are rhythms in your life that you have gotten away from or rhythms of life that you need to engage in so that you are balanced in your life and have room to serve the kingdom. Um, I know that real life is not the only place for you to serve. And hear me, hear me. This is not a message about filling the empty slots at real life. This is about you recognizing that you have been wired to serve. And if there's another place to do that, awesome. Wherever it is and in whatever way, find out how God's wanting to use you. Now, I think there's a few things, a few reasons why people choose not to serve. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, there's a few things that come to my mind. One, there isn't a plan. Well, I'm glad to say that Real Life is not in that boat. Um, here at Real Life, we have a plan, and that plan is always evolving. It's always adapting. It's always changing based on y'all's availability. Uh, new people come in. Our own family moves out of town. You know, these things adjust, and we adjust with that. But there's a plan here at Real Life, so you can check that one off. And two, I don't want to commit to serving, because what if something better comes up? <laughs> this is something that we've kind of wrestled with throughout ministry. People who are gun-shy of making commitments, and usually it's commitments to the church more than anything, because what if something else fun or more important comes up that you want to be a part of? Then you've committed there, and, you've, and you'd like to commit here, and you don't know how to balance that. So sometimes that's why people don't commit to serve. But can I just ask you to evaluate 
where your commitment does lie. Wherever that is, are you okay with that? Is that taking you where you want to go in life? Is that helping you become the person that God has created you to be? Three, I'm too busy. Story of my life. Story of our life. Story of our society's life. I'm too busy. And I just need a place to recover from life. And real life is that place for me. I just want to be able to come in and just sit. I remember uh, a friend of ours uh, at the time, they were not our friends. They were just new acquaintances. They uh, visited our church in Michigan. And uh, we got to know them. Great, great couple. I uh, found out that she had served at a very large church in a, in a significant ministry role. And she was burnt out from ministry. And she said, I can't give anything right now. And I said, that's great. That's fine. Recover. Find healing and help for your life and your family. And when you're ready, let me know. And it was, it was a few months later, they came to me and said, we're ready. And it was amazing. Sometimes we do need to recover. But let's be careful that our posture of engagement in church, at least, is not always about giving our leftovers. Um, several people throughout my ministry career, when talking about giving financially to the church, they've said, Pastor, I would really like to, but by the time Sunday comes around, I've got nothing left to give. I know that God wants me to. I know that I should, but I just don't have anything left. I said, well, here's your first problem. You're treating what you have, you're treating God at the end of your week. Let's turn things around and look at Sunday as the beginning of the week. As soon as you get your paycheck, give to God first. Make that the priority. And then learn to live off of the rest. Oh, but Pastor, you just don't know. I, I'm living at 110%. You know, I'm always, I'm going into debt. I've got credit cards out the wazoo. And well, that's still, that's another conversation we need to have. But don't say that you don't have anything left. You always have resources. The question is, in what order are you prioritizing them? Another reason why I don't, I think people choose not to serve is um, they don't like doing that. And I know that uh, as the staff works together to plug people into ministry, we try to plug you into areas that you like, that you're wired for, that you would be good at. And sometimes we have people who will try things out and they're like, nope, that's not me. Don't ever put me back in the nursery again. <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Here at Real Life, it is our passion to find your right fit so that you can be a part of serving in a way that brings you life, and joy is something that you just, you can't wait to be a part of. Another reason, I don't want to miss out. If I'm serving with Pastor Sierra, I'm going to miss being a part of a service. And I love to sing and I love to do that. And you can flesh that out in a couple of different ways. There's a young man. I consider him one of my spiritual sons. He, uh, he joined the youth group uh, at our first church as a squirrely sixth grader. And he was always at the church. He was, he was always at the church. 
and he was always up in my business. I mean, there were times where I'm like, I'm just so tired. I, I want to pour into this young man, but I just don't have anything left. And he's there. But he just wanted to serve. So I could give him anything to do, and he would go do it. His biggest passion is um, drumming. He's a drummer, and he is a great drummer. And I remember there was a season where he had been drumming at every youth service that we had had for months. And I was concerned that he was going to be burning out. I was concerned that he was always giving but never receiving. So I remember having a conversation with him. In fact, he was sitting on, I think you call it a throne. Is that what you call it? Drum throne? Seat? Whatever that thing is back there. I said, Zach, I, I want to find some times where we can get some other drummers in here, which would have been tough because we didn't have any others. Because I want you to be able to be out in the, in, in the crowd, and I want you to be able to receive and be fed. And I, I, I don't want you just to be depleted. I want you to be able to worship. And he looked at me, and he was probably seventh or eighth grade. He said, but Pastor Jeremy, this is my worship. When we find the things that we are passionate about and are able to serve God in that, that becomes our worship. And he corrected his youth pastor in that moment. He straightened me right out because in that I saw a young man who understood who he was, understood what he was good at, and wanted above all else to use that for the kingdom. What does that look like for you? What does that look like in your life? You know, we have to be driven by a, a, a bigger vision than just trying to fill spots. We have to be driven by a reality that God has wired us to serve. Why? Because one, we were created in the image of God, and that is a serving image. But also, as we look at how God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact with each other, they're always serving each other. But also, when it comes to this bigger vision for how we are called to serve, when we let Jesus into our life, He takes up residence there. And we begin acting and speaking and loving and treating others the way Jesus would. So if Jesus is all up in your business, celebrate that and realize that that requires that we live a certain life, not out of necessity, but because we want to. We want to. So, what's your next step? You all sat down near or on a connection card. And I'm going to have Jessica come up and, and play for us just a little bit. I, I want you to take your card, every single person, grab one in your hand, and I want you um, to just jot your name. If your information has changed, please do that. It's awful when we've been sending people emails and we wonder why in the world they don't know the information. We realize they're not getting the information. Um, but I want you somewhere on here to tell me your serving story. Be honest with yourself and with God and with me. Here at Real Life, we're all about honesty. Even if it's messy, we're about real life. I, I want you to, to write down here what it has looked like for you to serve. This is what you've loved doing. This is how you've seen God working. 
through your, your serving. Maybe this is why you don't serve. Maybe this is the struggle where you want to say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I get it, but I'm just exhausted. Would you say that to me? Say that. Put that down there so that I know how to pray for you. So I know how to encourage you. We, the staff here at Real Life, love to gather around your prayer requests. And we do that every Tuesday. Share these with us. But you might say, Pastor, here, I've tried to serve before, but it just has never worked. I want you to take a moment while Jessica plays. And I want you just to jot a few notes to, to us about what serving looks like for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help us come to terms with, with how we serve, why we have, why we haven't, what's holding us back, what we'd like to engage in. God, I pray you would help us recognize that you, first and foremost, aren't just trying to fit us into slots. You're trying to help us realize who we've been called to be. God, I thank you for the grace that you show us. I thank you for the grace you showed James and John. But God, I pray that you would help us recognize that you have entrusted a lot to us. Help us be responsible with that. Lord, I pray you receive our honest hearts cry and you would work miracles in it. You would transform us by your grace at work in our life. I pray this in your name, God. I pray for this church, real life, in your name. Amen. Take your card. If you're still writing, finish up after we do this next little thing. Take your card and stand with me. Oftentimes we, we end our service with y'all have your hands out like you're receiving something and I put my hands out like I'm giving you something, which is usually a blessing of some court, sort. But what I want you to do is I want you to take your card. I want you to lay it in your hands. Everyone take one, even if you didn't fill one out. I want you to put that in your hand as though you are offering that to God. I'm going to put mine down so I can do what I normally do. May the God who has shown us how to serve each other be the God who empowers us to serve those around us. No matter where that takes us, nor whatever it asks of us, may you find your fullest life in the way you serve, in the name of Jesus. Church, be blessed. And until we see each other again, be a blessing in the way you serve. In his name.